Our scripture today is from the Gospel of Matthew, 5th chapter. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks, Jim. You may be seated. Let's pray. God, um, we trust every time that your word is spoken that your spirit comes to us. And today, for these words of Jesus to be fill, revealed and fulfilled in the here and now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, location matters. I think we're supposed to notice the place where this story takes place. Matthew tells us that when, G when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain and sat down. Now, I haven't been to Israel, but through photos and your stories, I know that the mountains there are not snow-capped with rocky edges. The mountains there are accessible to climb and provide a view of the land around them. And maybe this is why Jesus decides to teach there where he and the people around him could see the evidence of an area occupied by military force. You could see clearly where the poor lived, isolated from the empire being built around them, one that would be paid for by taxing them beyond capacity. You know, think about right now the most impactful letter or speech you have heard. I think those are the ones that are shaped by the view around them. And then what the writer or the speaker sees beyond what they can see. So Martin Luther King Jr., Dietrich Bonhoeffer found voice and compelling words as they sat confined in jail cells. The stories we remember most from 9-11 were shared in the devastation with rubbles of skyscrapers leveled to the ground. My grandpa penned a letter to his grandkids with his noticings and the hopes for each of us in his hospital bed days before he died. It's interesting then, isn't it, that as a country, we choose the secured chambers of a government building as the setting for the State of the Union Address. 
Jesus goes up to that mountain not to read some cryptic message from God written in the clouds. No, the message is the messenger. God as human climbed that mountain where he could speak promises and intention directly into the ears of those who needed to hear it. And those words are where we dwell today. What Jesus was saying was to those people, I see you and I see the world around you. It is good, as God the creator said, as the world was created, but it's not as God imagined. It's not a place where people trust that God will provide or a place where our vocations, our work, are all about making life better for the people around us. Jesus says, I have come to embed myself in you and with you. So you know you are loved in the midst of your struggle and for you to know the kingdom of God is for you. Now, Matthew is intentional with letting the world know then exactly what Jesus' actions will be about. And so as we read the rest of this gospel, these verses give direction. It will come back to a God who sees the world and says, I come to be with you because of the inequity, the challenges, and the heartbreak. Trust me that I notice what you are missing, and I have come to be with you. You have a place in my kingdom now and forever. And Jesus will then, with every teaching and healing and act, make known what these verses look like in the world. And so back to that theme we have for Epiphany. Behold, observe, notice. Take in this week and notice. What are you called to notice and do with your neighbor? Jesus selects a mountain as the place where he will behold his neighbors. Not to think that he already understands what they need. So he can see the streets. He can see in the present tense the needs around. And then imagine and act upon what it means to change that to make a difference. Now, it's really subtle, but really important that each of Jesus' sentences holds a noticing, and then it also holds a promise. So let's break this down. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That's the noticing. I see you, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the promise. I see you, and your promise is my kingdom is for you. Blessed are you who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But let's think about it. Do you feel real blessed when you have come to the end of your rope? When you have exhausted all the resources available to make a change? Or you have simply lost hope that what you see right in front of you could possibly be any different? We use that word blessed so haphazardly, mostly when something good happens, we say, Lindsay, you're blessed. But this is not what Jesus says. 
Jesus says, blessed are you in persecution, mourning, poor in spirit. That is when God notices us. And that is when God comes the closest. And actually, the origin of that word blessed actually means enviable. Try that on for size. Enviable are those of you who are poor in spirit. We always think to envy something means we want what they have, not what they lack. The world should want what you have, not what you're lacking. But God says, actually, it's in your lacking that you should be envied because I promise that is where I will always be. Now, I was invited to give the opening and closing prayer this week at the Housing for All breakfast just up the road at St. Joseph, the Worker Catholic Church in Maple Grove. So I came prepared, I had scripted my prayers, and I sipped my coffee and ate yogurt with a compostable spoon with some state senators and representatives, local mayors, and a lot of amazing people who are showing up in various housing organizations to make a difference. And we heard directly from those who are being impacted by lack of affordable housing. And it was gut-wrenching stories of homeless teens, the elderly, immigrants, and those people who walk among us on the streets and in Target making less than minimum wage. And so I had prepared those well-scripted prayers, but as I listened and I learned, I knew there was no perfect words to pray at the end of this meeting. All I could do was go up with no notes and say, I will take everything that you have spoken today and pray that God makes them real and true and that each person there somehow had this calling. And beyond what we could imagine that day at the breakfast at that church, we're somehow pushing this needle to freedom, to wholeness, and to equity, even when it doesn't seem like it. And it dawned on me at that breakfast that beholding your neighbor can break your heart. When you get up close to notice firsthand the lives around you, and sometimes how imperfect the world really is. So last week when we heard the calling of disciples from Matthew, Pastor Joel reminded us that Jesus calls us in our sweet spot when we're doing the work that we're meant to do. But Jesus also calls us in the tedious and the mundane things that drain our body of life. Jesus comes to both places. And I want to say today that I think our work in our sweet spot and also the mending of nets as a church is living between this first clause of God pronouncing favor and then God revealing futuristically what will happen. We're in that in-between spot. So Jesus promises a blessing to the inequity and promise that God will stop, not stop, until a way is formed. A vision that's dreamed and then fulfilled. And then Jesus calls us. And this is the part that is crazy. Calls us as broken and imperfect people 
to make this vision real every day. It's delicate work. And the amazing thing about God is when we mess up, he forgives us. He gives us the pencil and says, Re erase that sentence and write a different one. We're given the opportunity always to start again. But I gotta tell you, this is overwhelming work. It's never done. Like how can a small act change the course of a life or a community? But the flip side of that, it can also be empowering because what we do matters. Every single part of it matters. And so I know in our work here, like donating food and reading a book about homelessness and teaching kids about faith and allocating a part of your budget to fund the work that we do here, it can feel scrappy. It can feel like not enough. It's rough when you leave an event or a meeting and think, does any of this really make a difference? But I think in light of Jesus' words today, what we are doing is letting every person know, and people we don't know, that they are favored in their abundance, but also in their lacking. And somehow, through every act, we are making God's kingdom known. And I think Jesus says yes to this. And in fact, Jesus would say, God entrusts you and me and us together to make this what it will be. And that's why we spend time today splashing water on James's head and making God's promises to this little one because we trust that everything we do in this world is bringing about the kingdom of God. And that is why we have a meal that Jesus instituted with bread and wine that says we are forgiven and called each and every time. God favors us in our lacking and then empowers and calls us back to his vision. And he entrusts us to make this vision possible, to make this kingdom known. Now, what I learned last Tuesday was the city of Brooklyn Park, over the course of a very long year, listened to the tenants of Huntington Place and worked with the current owners to make a deal to sell that an 834-unit apartment that has the highest rate of eviction and sell it to another nonprofit buyer and invest $5 million dollars to make those units livable homes for families in our neighborhoods. A young woman was rescued from sex trafficking and is now working towards her nursing degree. And in case you haven't forgotten, we raised over a half a million dollars last year in 60 days to renovate our kitchen and north entrance so we could serve and prepare and wash dishes to all people without exception. We pray for each other every week. These small things matter. God never leaves our efforts with only our view. He sees from the mountain with the now and the not yet. I have a little frame on my office, and it says, Someday is made up of a thousand tiny nows. It's the delicate 
in-between place that we are called. So today, maybe spend some time there. Where are you called specifically and uniquely to bring God's kingdom about in the little stuff, the mundane, the impromptu? The places where you see and respond to your neighbor to reveal to them they are favored. It's hard work, but it's also joy-filled work, the in-between work where God calls us and meets us to make this kingdom come. Amen.